is BTS with CTV behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain, which takes us to the streets of downtown Vancouver on Thursday, April 5th, when the Prime Minister was in town and was confronted by anti-pipeline protesters. I think it's really important that ordinary citizens do stand up and and tell the government what it is they're feeling. Hundreds took to downtown Vancouver on that rainy afternoon, a mix of activists ranging from young idealists. We are his constituents. He is our um, representative. He should be listening to us. To angry seniors. This is what he said here. Only communities can grant permission. And I figure the community around here has not granted permission. They tried to shame Justin Trudeau into backing down on his approval of the controversial Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion from Edmonton over the Rocky Mountains and through dozens of B.C. communities to Metro Vancouver. This is not over, and the sooner he realizes that and and becomes a true climate leader, uh, the better. As those activists took to the streets, our three-person CTV crew was on the ground. I was reporting with cameraman Christian Adler and technician Adnan Hussein, while CTV News at 6 producer Rhonda Fuller was in charge of the show back in the newsroom. Each of us had a very different experience bringing that rapidly unfolding protest to our viewers live on TV as we followed the marchers through downtown Vancouver. Okay, let's go deliver a message. That message is this pipeline will not be So we're going to start with Christian because what a lot of people don't realize or may not realize in a situation like this, Christian, is it doesn't get much more complicated for a camera operator than a situation like this because we have to keep up with the protesters. So really, you're walking backwards. How difficult is it to try to capture a situation like this? Walking backwards is probably one of the hardest things that we have to do. And lucky for us, we had Adnan with us, who was able to watch my back, because otherwise I'm trying to watch what's going on in front of me while I'm walking backwards, but I'm also trying to keep an eye on whether I'm going to run into something. And if you have someone who can at least cover for you so that they're kind of guiding you around obstacles, that's a huge help. And it's a weird dynamic because I felt like the camera was really close to my face. It wasn't. It's just kind of that perception in the way the lens works. But it's also, it's almost like a staring contest because I'm looking right in the middle of the lens. You're looking right at me. And so all this stuff is happening around us and there could be uh, a safety hazard or, or some danger there. And it's really hard for us to know because we're so intense looking at each of those specific things. Yeah, and as a camera operator, too, we have, like, a really big blind side. 99% of all camera people have the camera on their right shoulder, and it's such a big piece of equipment that it completely blocks that side of your peripheral vision, so you don't see anything that's coming at you from the right-hand side. You do have, like, huge blind spots, and it's really tough to keep an eye on things. Now, one thing that I didn't realize as I was doing my reporting, because I was just talking about what was going on around us, very fluid situation. We're walking into streets that have been closed by the VPD. We don't know exactly where the protesters are going. And to give our viewers the best perspective, we're in front. So we're kind of leading the way, not knowing where it's going. I didn't realize that you were doing a little bit of a cameraman tango as I was walking. (laughs) Give us your little secret. So, Because not only are you walking backwards... You were walking in sync with me, and I didn't even notice. Explain to the listeners what you were doing. 
that's a trade secret, so I really shouldn't give that up. <laughs> but what I was doing is I was watching which foot you were leading with, and then using that the same foot on that side that you were leading with, so that as we're walking, the sway of our shoulders was in sync. So if I was walking on the other foot, um, the sway of my shoulders would be opposing the sway of your shoulders, and it would look very rocky. But because I'm syncing up our, our footsteps, kind of takes away that exaggerated sway. So just a little trade secret that I've now given away and... <laughs> Darn you. <laughs> well, and you know what? It's interesting because I've heard from a couple of people since we did that report that they really felt like they were there. And I don't think it was the quality of my reporting or telling people what was going on. I think it was actually that organic movement since I was stepping forward with the opposite with the opposite foot from you so that we were it was like a dance mm -hmm. and I think that that really actually gave people just kind of a more realistic sense of like actually standing there I know you you need to take some credit for this as well because the other thing I was doing was I was taking cues from you where you were kind of trying to lead the people in in watching what was going on so if you were trying to motion towards something going off on one side then I took that cue and I was showing people what you were trying to talk about. It is a bit of a dance. Uh, it's fun. It's <laughs> fun when we get to do these these things live on air because of that fluidity of, of how it can go. And if you, we were working really well together, I thought. So, you know, take part of the credit because if you weren't showing me where to go, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Well, and it's funny because I wasn't really intending to do that, but I think I'm. it's partly because I'm a hand talker. And so I think just unconsciously I was pointing somewhere before I was looking at it to talk about it. So maybe it's just like the nature of my conversation, but we've also worked together a lot. So I think that we know kind of a lot of those cues anyhow. Adnan, uh, your role, you were tethered to Christian uh, with uh, Dejero. Explain what a Dejero is for the layperson so they understand what that funny little suitcase-looking thing you were carrying was. Dejero is a video signal streamer. It uses four different telephone companies' SIM cards and transmits on four different bands um, our video signal live back to the station where it's put back together. It's a wonderful technology that allows us to be portable and live from anywhere where you have a cell signal. And that's why a lot of people don't even realize we're live on location somewhere because it used to be a big microwave truck or a satellite truck, but now this allows us to be portable and mobile, which is great. Uh, but that also means that we are in the thick of it and that there are safety issues. We uh, Christian was walking backwards. We had lots of people jostling us. And so you were our, our technical guy, but also our safety guy. What was it like for you kind of trying to multitask and, and try to handle all that stuff all at once? It's, it's an interesting position. You're playing security guy, but at the same time, you're trying also to be friendly, so you don't want to get something started with the crowd. Um, every time there's a crowd gathering, there are some people who are there for the cause, but then you also have people who are there for their 15 seconds of uh, fame. And so then for Christian, I mean, you basically had uh, one hand out just kind of keeping people from getting in the shot or, or interfering with us, and then another hand on Christian's shoulder because he was walking backwards the whole time. Yes, I brought an umbrella to stay dry, but uh, that umbrella <laughs> <laughs> ended up being uh, our uh, little uh, guide 
because uh, I was able to stick that umbrella out and move people away from us before we would break our rhythm. Uh, for Christians, it was very important to walk in a rhythmic fashion and not stop and go. And with the umbrella, I had the extra four-foot reach, so I could actually just move people gently out of the way before we ran into them and we had to stop. Kenny, the marchers have been coming up Howe Street. Uh, what's the latest? Meejung, we just arrived at the Wall Center moments ago. The uh, protesters had intended to go into the plaza area, but instead what's happened is the VPD's bicycle unit has blocked their way here. There is a line of officers uh, keeping them from going any further. Uh, that just seems to be encouraging the protesters to make that much more noise. Christian, an event like this, a protest where you are keeping fluid, trying to keep up with everything, um, there have been more challenging situations. I am thinking a couple years ago, the protests on Burnaby Mountain, it was a similar thing, walking backwards, not really knowing what was going on, but that was on a hill. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot of uh, mud and, um, and just kind of sand and grit on the road, which made it challenging. But in this case, even though the police were closing off, uh, you know, major arteries of traffic, I was still looking around for cars and stuff because you or, or cyclists or you never know who's not really going to realize what's happening because you're in an urban environment and it, it, that's a challenge in and of itself. Mm -hmm. One of the nice things about this protest is there seems to be a really decent cooperation between the police and the protesters. And one of the things you can rely on when there is that cooperation is that you can be pretty confident that the police are also watching out for everybody, for us too. We talked to the police ahead of time. They were really keen on telling us, well, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. So that when we do step out onto the street, I'm pretty confident that the streets are blocked off from traffic and I'm not going to have to worry about vehicle traffic suddenly coming at me from some other direction. So, Rhonda, you had a very different perspective of the protest because we were on the ground getting rained on and getting kind of jostled and stuff. You're in the control room as a producer. I guess really briefly, let's start out with what does a TV news producer do? Basically, the coordinator of the show. So there's so much that goes on in the world every day, locally, internationally, nationally. So you take all of the news of the day and you you decide what goes into the newscast in what order in what amount, so that the viewers at the end of the show have a good idea of what happened in the world and in their local area that day. So then, protest day, there's this big event unfolding in downtown Vancouver, and so you have to figure out what's going to stay in the show and, and what basically what we're bumping out in order to tell people what's going on in Vancouver. That's right. So you have a plan, but it can always change at the last minute. So um, you could have the best planned show in the world, but if something happened, um, let's say, you know, years ago, Gordon Campbell, our premier, was arrested for DUI. Well, you basically, like a piece of paper, you kind of rip the newscast in two and you start again because that's the most important thing. And it's breaking and it's fresh and people are going to want to know about it. So while, Penny, you were out in the crazy rain of the, um, you know, of the protest, being jostled by protesters, we were in the sort of comfortable chaos of the control room uh, deciding what to throw out. We planned scripts, we planned stories, um, but the newscast is only so many minutes. And if something goes in that's new, something's got to go. And so were you watching us? Because I know that we were streaming the video back to the station the whole time. Were you kind of keeping one eye on what you were seeing from us the whole time? 
Um, yes, one eye. I've asked. I asked someone in the control room who was coordinating our chopper to watch the chopper and see where the try and and give us an idea of where the crowd was going. Was Trudeau's motorcade in the area? So the chopper's flying in sort of a small circle over the protest, and we're just trying to see what we can because, of course, on the ground you wouldn't have had the same vantage point that um, that we did. So. His eye was on the chopper. My ear was on you. So I had, um, luckily I have two ears. <laughs> and one of them was on you, uh, listening for you to say something's happening or the crowd is moving. And the other ear was listening to the show as it went on, speaking to the director, the anchors, telling them what was being dropped and added. And as you know, your segments were fluid. We didn't know when they were going to happen. So... You have to change the show and add and drop and figure out the time and the content as you go along, trying to make room for something that we don't even know you have. And on my end, it was hard, too, because you're in the moment. There is no script because we're just kind of following this crowd along. Five minutes later, I couldn't have told you what I said, and I sure couldn't have told you how long I took saying what I said. So then, as a consequence of that, I imagine you had to do quite a bit of skating around to figure out, you know, how much time did I eat up and where can you make it up and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, um, you know, a good reporter like yourself can can take a cue like give us these two or three new pieces of information and do it in 40 seconds. And, you know, usually that happens. We've got a good staff of reporters and they usually make it happen in the correct time. And if they don't, there's always um, accordion, things that can accordion in length in a show. Happy chat or the weather or small bits and pieces of news which not essential can come or go um, to adjust uh, to the time. So if you ever see that the anchors are maybe chatting a little bit longer than you think that they uh, they normally do, that may be because something was dropped in the show and they needed to fill the time a little bit. For us in the field, we usually end up with, um, you know, adrenaline and we every little development seems like a big deal because we've moved from this location to that location, blocking a different road, for example. Sometimes, though, do you have to say no when the reporter says, OK, this thing's happening and it's really cool because you're coming from a different vantage point looking at the whole show? I mean, this case was a little bit different, I know, but have you ever had to say we just don't have the time? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's not only the time, it's sort of the visual elements. You know, the story of the protest was a ve- was very, very visual. Um, so there, sometimes there are important stories um, that just aren't as visual and they're not going to grab the viewers as much. So you try and focus on the visual. But also yesterday, we had another reporter who got um, an exclusive interview with a sex assault victim, which of course very rarely happens that someone is prepared to tell Um, such an emotional story after such a violent act but they were and they wanted to tell it on CTV News and so um, our reporter got that interview at five minutes to six so that was also something that we had to quickly process blur the woman so she wasn't identified and try and get that breaking news into the show as well as the other breaking news on the protest. So I guess, you know, we're tied up in in, in, the, in that moment, just immersed in all these hundreds of people, but you are like an air traffic controller or at 10,000 feet, whereas like we're literally on the ground and you have to make all sorts of different decisions that we weren't even aware of. That's right. And I had a just during um, while I was dealing with 
both you and the um, you on the protest and the other reporter on the sex assault. A third reporter, Sinjin, was trying to speak to me about his content about the Sedines because it was quote their last home game, which on any other day would have been a huge story. It was still a big part of our newscast, but he called in the middle of all that and tried to talk to me about um, what he was going to say about the Sedines, and I was just, what do you want? <laughs> you know, so yeah, so um, anyway, I had to put him off. But I think people think of news as one hour, but really. It's 48 minutes, you know, with the commercials. By the time you take out, you know, things like the weather and the introductions, the good evenings, the headlines, which promote what's in the show, it's really um, perhaps 20, 26 or 28 minutes of news. So it's not too much. It goes by very fast. Yeah, that's, now I feel really guilty about taking up so much time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everybody wants time, of course, and a reporter who gets involved in their story. Some of the stories, the protests, that could be a documentary. Who was there? Why were they there? What was the premier thinking? Are they watching that story in Alberta? That could be a one-hour documentary, but on our show, it ended up being maybe about four or five minutes, which is, which is quite chunky. Often, we boil stories down to a minute and a half. Yeah, we took up a lot of real estate on, on the protest, for sure. Well worth it. Well <laughs> worth it. And Edna, the, um, the t- going back to the technology that we were using, we were out there for quite some time. We're using a lot of battery power, but there's also uh, everybody was tweeting, uh, a lot of people live streaming. There was a lot of pull on the cellular network. So um, does that mean that you have to keep an eye on the Dejero to make sure that our signal is strong enough? Because, I mean, transmitting HD video has got to suck up a lot of bandwidth. Our engineers have done a great job where you can get away with minimal bandwidth and mm-hmm. still be able to transmit a high-definition signal, uh, but still we have um, certain windows that you have to stay within the threshold. Um, yes, it's very important, and sometimes just positioning the Digero just right just might give you the, that extra bandwidth, so you might be able to get your signal back to the station. That's a lot to think about when you're trying to keep uh, your cameraman safe. You're watching out for your reporter. It's raining, so you've got a plastic sheet on top of the Dejero. That's a lot to do all at once. It is, but it's also fun. It's an adrenaline rush. This is what makes this profession so interesting, getting in the thick of it um, at times and observing things that other people observe just from home, and you see all that firsthand. You are there. You can smell and, and see and feel the atmosphere, which was something else with all those pots and pans going yesterday. Well, and then there was, I don't know if it was sage or if it was sweetgrass burning. So it it was like a full sensory experience there at the time. It certainly was. And unfortunately, that's something we cannot bring to our viewers at home. But we try. And that's, I think, why it's important um, that we are in the middle of it. And and I'm really grateful that we have this technology so that we can be in there instead of being stuck in one spot, just watching them pass us by and not being able to keep up with them. Like it's a really um, I think it brings a lot to the reporting for us to be able to be in there with them with that technology. Yes. Before this technology, I remember we had to be stationary. So something like this, you would just anticipate where it starts or ends um, if it coincides with our news uh, news window. Mm-hmm. and then just try and go live and fingers crossed, um, did not bring you the full essence of the event where we could we could be anywhere we wanted to be, and we were right in the middle of the crowd. 
and waiting to see what happened because we didn't know what was going to happen either. We were just kind of going along with the flow and, you know, we had to be pretty agile and flexible. Exactly. But it gives you more, more options at least. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on this uh, episode of BTS with CTV. I appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Penny. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. If there are a topic you'd like us to cover on a future podcast, email me, bts at bellmedia.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daflos. Daflos.